0: Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, asher kid'shanu Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, king of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Amen. This weekend is Shabbat Nachamu, the, the weekend when we begin a series of comforting Haftorah readings from the prophetic scriptures. After Tisha Baav and our focus on the great losses and mourning in the Jewish world, we turn to a focus on the God who is the God of comfort. One of the names for the Holy Spirit in English is the comforter. In Hebrew, it's this, Menachem. Say that with me, Menachem. You've heard of Menachem Begin, the prime minister, former prime minister of Israel, the comforter. Nachamu, nachamu ami, comfort, comfort my people. That's a command from Isaiah chapter 40. And in order to give away comfort, you have to have received comfort because you can't give what you don't have. The Torah portion this weekend is, is one that contains one of the most familiar texts of all that, that we have in, in Torah. And we recite it at every service As well, it includes the text that's featured widely in the Brit HaKadoshah, the New Covenant Scriptures. And so I would like to look at some commentary that Yeshua gave on today's Torah portion. So let's look in Mark chapter 12. Wonderful scripture. Starting in verse 28, it says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that Yeshua had answered them well. He asked Yeshua this question. Which is the first commandment of all? Which is the greatest? What is is the number one mitzvah? Yeshua answers him in verse 29. The first of all the commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now you know he wasn't speaking in English. So what did he say in Hebrew? Let me hear you together. Shema Yisrael Adonai. Come on. Adonai Echad. I'm sorry, that was weak on your part. You can do better. Let's just practice it. Just stand up for a moment so your lungs are expanded. Say it together. Let me hear you. much better. Now you can be seated. <laughs> That's what Yeshua said was the greatest commandment, but he didn't stop there. He continued with the Vehafta, Vehafta et Adonai b'chol lavavcha, nafshecha, me'adecha. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. This is the greatest commandment. And so in giving an answer, he joins together the Shema and the Vahavta and says, these two parts are number one. Part one is to uh, to listen, to listen. Now, take turns with this because you can't both do it at the same time. Look at the person's ear next to you. Just take a look. You see, if you both try to look at it at the same time, you're going to see each other's eyes. (laughs) You're not going to see ears. But the ear, now just touch your earlobe. That's a good part of your body. This is what the first part is about. Use your ears. Listen to God. Listen to him. Hear him. And then the second part doesn't involve the ears. It involves other aspects of us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love God with all your heart. Have you ever thought about why it starts with the heart? You know, it doesn't say this, love the Lord your God with all your theology. Love the Lord your God with all of your doctrine. Love the Lord your God with all of your religious practices. No, love the Lord your God from the inside, the heart. And it starts with the heart because if you can get your heart focused on devotion to God and love to God, the rest will follow. But you know, people can be religious and never bring their hearts to God. People can be uh, great in attending services and never bring their hearts to God. Yeshua focuses on this, love the Lord your God. Listen to him and love him. And he says, these parts form one mitzvah, one commandment. To love God without listening to him. That doesn't work, does it, mom and dad? When your kids don't listen to you, it doesn't really work, does it? And then verse 31, he says, and the second is like it. Like, like every good teacher, he gives you more than you bargain for. What's number one? He said, well, I'll tell you number one, and then I'll tell you number two. Amen. Because you need both of them. He said, the second one is like it, it's this. V'hafta Larecha kamocha, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment that is greater than these. So the second commandment is love directed at people. It's the essence of faith. You see, to love God also involves loving people. If if you try to do one without the other, your love will not be complete, nor will it ever develop into its fullness, nor will it be Jewish faith. Sometimes people confuse faith, which has to do with trusting God and being faithful to God, with religious practice. And so when we measure Jewish practice, we look at things like attendance at Shabbat services, celebrating holidays, keeping kosher, a variety of things like this. And interestingly, When you measure Messianic Jews on those scales of religious observance, we are more observant generally than the greater Jewish community. Less observant than the Orthodox Jewish community, but more observant than the greater Jewish community. But do you know what? You can keep every one of those observances and still not have a love for God and not be devoted to God. In fact, you can be a believer and want to be faithful to God and lose your first love and become dull. Now, what is also interesting to me is that Yeshua uses this, what we could call overly familiar text as his answer. Have you ever had the experience of being here on a Shabbat service and we're singing the Shema and you're thinking about lunch? Who can identify with that? Or breakfast. You know, I didn't have enough breakfast. Or breakfast was really good. Hmm. And isn't it possible when we're reciting the Veya Hafta that you're thinking about who you're mad at? Oh come on. Admit it. You know, what's on your mind is not love, but it's frustration or anger or fear or something else. I know it's true that every one of us can can come into the sanctuary. We can come into the house of God and our hearts and our minds can be elsewhere even though our bodies are here. And that's why I say it's not enough to bring your tuchas. You've got to bring your heart. You've got to bring your mind as well. You've got you've to focus. And, and this is why there is a traditional teaching about kavana, intention, that we must bring our full intention to God and turn our attention to him. At the service last night, I was talking about the importance of the heart, and uh, someone shared with me a Chinese medicine perspective on the heart that I was unfamiliar with. But in Chinese medicine, the heart is considered the emperor of the person. And if the heart is wrong, other things will be wrong. And if the heart is right, other things will be in alignment. And in in the same way, it's like the Lord considers the heart our emperor. And if we can bring our heart under God's authority and in a good relationship with God, then the rest will follow suit. So Yeshua gives these two commandments, the first being the Shema and the Vehaftah combined, the second one being Vehafta Larecha, and he, he gives us now a particular view of Jewish faith, that the two parts go together. He sees them as united, and he wants us to view them as united, to not disconnect them. One of the great dangers for religious folk is that we can disconnect the commands of God, get them out of order, and then raise one or two of them up to a higher level than this. These work together. To love God and to love people work together. When you do them both, then you enter into the fullness. Now let's continue in verse 32. The scribe says to Yeshua, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth for there is one God and there's no other but he. This is very important because he understands that Yeshua is proclaiming the echad nature of God because he uses the Shema. Shema Yisrael Adonai, Eloheinu Adonai Echad. God is one. God is echad. Yeshua is declaring that there is one God. There's no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, this is verse 33, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is more than all the whole burnt offerings and the sacrifices. So the scribe agrees with Yeshua on these points. And he agrees with the focus on the unity of God. Very important for us. He focuses on the importance of being devoted to God and loving God with with all that we are, And he focuses and agrees on the importance of loving God and loving other people. That these are the essence of the life of faith. So the scribe is listening to Yeshua and thinks, Yeshua, what you've said is really good and here's why. So he declares his agreement. Verse 34 is interesting. Now when Yeshua saw that the scribe answered wisely, he said to him something. You see, this is mutual admiration. There's a kesher going on, a connection going on. There's excellent communication and agreement. They're finding common ground. They're finding shared values. They're not in argument with each other. They're finding unity together. When Yeshua saw that he answered wisely, he said to the scribe, you're not far from the kingdom of God. That is a very different view than many modern believers have about scribes. They tend to think of scribes in in a different way, like scribes are legalistic. In fact, you may experience this, that There may be believers who think because you go to a Jewish congregation that you're legalistic just because of that. Because they associate Jewish equals legalistic. Try to communicate that to Yeshua. Well, Yeshua, you see, I think you're just too Jewish. That's your problem. I actually think that view that views Jewishness as legalistic is legalistic. That view is legalistic. It's not focused on the heart. It's not focused on reality either. So this this text is presenting the scribe to us as a man of faith, a man of love, and a man of devotion to God. And it shows us something else that we should not glance over or ignore. And that is Yeshua's teachings fit into this man's Jewishness into this scribe's Jewishness. You see, they're talking to each other, two Jews talking about shared understanding, shared perceptions about what is important about God. They're not in argument about fine points. They're talking about the most important points. Sometimes we can get lost by majoring on minor things that we know are important, but they don't rise to the level of most important. There are are temptations to identify some detail of life and then to elevate it to the most important. There are people who are drawn. There are people who are drawn into the messianic movement, it's true. Because we do honor Shabbat and we keep Shabbat, and because we do recognize and celebrate the Jewish holidays, the biblical holidays, But I have to tell you, those are not the number one. They're not the number two commandments. Yeshua has defined what they are. So if what you think binds us together is our religious observance and our habits, then you will not have the substantial connection that Yeshua is talking about. What actually binds people who are faithful to God together? It's a love for God. And a love that is not only God-directed, but it's directed at other people. It has a communal side to it. It reflects community. It reflects the, the fact that God is the Father, and thus we are family. And is willing to look generously upon other people in a family way. That kind of love is what binds us together. And it crosses boundaries that separate us. That's why the text is so clear. You have a scribe and you have a Messiah, and they're finding common ground. You see, this was one of the characteristics of the early Messianic community, the followers of Yeshua, the disciples of Yeshua learned something, find common ground with everybody you can. Find the shared values, build upon that. Hillel, the sage, had earlier had similar attitudes. But Yeshua took it to a whole new level because he crossed over so many boundaries that separated people. And he had distinctive understandings, don't get me wrong. Having this willingness to connect with people who have differences does not mean you don't have your own position. It doesn't mean that you don't understand important points. It doesn't mean that that you're just middle of the road or wishy-washy or moderate in everything that you believe and do. What it means is that you are being generous in spirit to reach out to people, to reach out to where they are and to find some, excuse me, I need some more water. I have it. I just don't like to drink in front of you. But i do it anyway. Feel free to bring water if you need it. Yeshua shows us something that the heart of God can reach across walls and build bridges and make connections. The prophetic scriptures teach us that every one of us has turned away from God and gone our own way. We've even become enemies to God and yet he reaches out to his enemies. Can you believe that? You might not think of yourself that way. You might think of yourself as a pretty good person. Uh, That doesn't mean that from a position of perfect holiness that you should be viewed that way. Because every one of us falls short and every one of us expresses independence and even antagonism, hostility, if not indifference, towards God and we all have to be reconciled to them. The scriptures teach us that even the high priest had this problem, even the high priest of Israel had differences, had failures, had sin, transgression and iniquity in his life that required an atoning sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. We read this week at the beginning of this week's Torah portion that even Moses had such problems. Moses himself loved God and was devoted to God, but he did not exercise perfect judgment or behavior or righteousness. And I think so that we would never deify Moses and think he was perfect, we see his flaws. God wants us to see his flaws. Now when Yeshua saw that the scribe answered wisely, he said to them, you're not far from the kingdom of God. They're having good communication with each other. And look at the closing statement in verse 34. After that, no one even dared to ask a testing question of Yeshua. Because they understood that his answers were so good. Years ago, I was with Rabbi Uri. We were in the mountains of Azerbaijan, which is a Muslim country. But in the mountains of Azerbaijan, there's a little city that is exclusively Jewish and it's been preserved there from antiquity. The, po- the, the population traces its history back to the Babylonian exile, and they never went back to Israel, they went up into the mountains in, in that area. And so uh, Rabbi Uri, Uri and I and several others went together just to explore that place and to see, to see it with our own eyes. And while we were there, I had a conversation with one of the Jewish leaders of the city. And we were talking about our our understandings, and I asked him what he thought was the most important commandment of all. And it was like a leading question. I, I I was setting a conversation up. And I said, what do you think is most important? And he said, ah, the Shabbat, that's the most important. And so I said, well, why do you think that? And he said, because Shabbat has kept us. If we didn't have Shabbat, we wouldn't have been preserved as a people. It's given us uh, identity. It's it's held us together. And you know, in a way, he was saying something that's consistent with Yeshua's teaching. Shabbat is made for man. Shabbat is given to us for the benefit of man. And so he was recognizing that. And I said, "I, I like what you're saying. I heard a rabbi who gave a different answer to the question, <laughs> and he said, well, what did he say? And I said, well, he said, the greatest commandment is, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Hainu, Adonai achad ve'ahavta et Adonai Hecha, bechol lavavcha Uvachol, nafshecha, Uvachol me'adecha, and I translated it to him, and I said, and he said there was a second commandment that was like it, they go together, v'ahavta l'recha k'mocha, you shall love your neighbors yourself. I said, he said that the, these are really the greatest commandments. And this Jewish leader said, oh, I like what that rabbi said. (laughs) You see, we were having kesher, we were having a connection, we were talking as Jews to each other. Do you see? Finding common ground. There are many Jewish people who love the teachings of Yeshua when exposed to them, but have never been exposed to the teachings of Yeshua. They've been exposed to the baseball bat of theology batter up, whack. People who use the Bible as a weapon, not as a tool of communication. This weekend, this Shabbat is a special Shabbat. Shabbat Nachamu. It finds its text in Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse one. Comfort. Comfort. And keep comforting my people, says your God. That's the complete Jewish Bible translation. And tell Jerusalem to take heart. The Hebrew in verse 2 can be translated several ways. It's often translated and comfort Jerusalem or speak words of comfort. But the Hebrew can be translated this way speak to the heart. Of Jerusalem. When you are bringing comfort to someone, you've got to speak to the heart. We have a calling to serve God by bringing comfort to his people. This week, many of us stood with Israel because we understood that is a way of bringing comfort. A number of us expressed our support of Israel on Sunday at a solidarity with Israel. Israel event for the greater community at the Jacksonville Jewish Center. It was standing room only. As we saw earlier today, our dancers have recorded a video of a dance, Galani Shali, as a way of encouraging the IDF Israeli soldiers. Soon you'll be able to see that video online, right? It's, It's going up on YouTube, we'll post a link to it on Facebook. Paula Fleming and all the dancers, thank you for taking that initiative. You know, it comes from the heart. And all of you who have been using your social network to communicate your support of Israel, as well as sharing news and information and updates that people wouldn't be getting otherwise, I, I want to commend you for doing that. That's a way of bringing comfort. We, we have to remember, yeah, even Facebook and Twitter can be used to, to stand up and, and to express ourselves and to communicate to others. And remember the two parts of the message of comfort that are critical. The first part is you have to receive comfort yourself. If you don't receive comfort, you can't give it away. And where does that comfort come from? It comes from the Lord. From times of refreshing with him. From intimacy that you have with him. From dialogue that you have with him. Every time that you pray and then you get an answer to prayer, you know what, it will bring you closer. Every time that, that you sense the love of God, it will bring you closer. <laughs> wow. Every time. Every time. <laughs> How far can we go with this? (laughs) When you experience the closeness of God, it has an impact on you. It changes you. It refreshes you. It builds your relationship with the Lord. And what you receive, what you receive from the Lord, you can give to other people. You can't give away what you don't have. Now, the second part of the message of comfort is equally important. It's not only that it's important to receive comfort, it's important to give away comfort, to speak words of comfort, and to take the words to heart from Isaiah, to, to actually spend time in Isaiah 40 this week, and to allow those words to penetrate your heart. Don't be dull. Don't be overly familiar with the Shema side where you're saying, oh yeah, yeah, I heard that, oh, oh, I know that. It's not a question of knowing it, it's a question of embracing it for now and doing something now. Dwell on these words, listen to the words, mull them over. Now what causes us to want to share love? It's having experienced the benefits of love. Love is one of those incredible things the more you give away, the more you have. If you receive love and then you give it away, guess what? You still have it. And here's the beauty. The more love that you experience and the more love that you share, the more love you will experience in the future. Now, I do not mean by all of this that you'll never have heartache. And you knew that, didn't you? And I didn't mean that people will always treat you right. You knew that already, didn't you? But what I'm telling you this, is this. Your love increases when you have a growing relationship of love with God. And it decreases when you separate from yourself from the love of God. For whatever the reason. It's like any relationship. This week when, this past Sunday, when we were over at the Caution's house getting it ready for them to arrive, I took notice of some things. It was the excellence with which people paid attention to details. Shelves that were lined. Toothpaste. Spices that were put into the cabinets and into the drawers. And I asked myself, what causes people to do such excellence? What causes such devotion to detail? And I'll tell you the answer that that I concluded. It's this. It's that the people who were doing this were serving as unto the Lord. And they were... They were serving the cautions as if they were serving the Lord and saying, Lord, we want this to be a reflection of our love and devotion to you. When you serve other people in this way, you know what? The reward that you get increases so dramatically it is hard to imagine. In the last few months, I've been reaping some rewards that have been important to me. Decades ago, I taught little children in Shabbat school and Sunday school, and I taught them because I cared about them as little kids. And now, these little kids are adults. They're in their 20s, their 30s, pushing their 40s. (laughs) I'm almost 60. And when I see some of them or communicate with some of them, I have joy because I see they've grown up and I see that they're living important lives and that they're serving God, many of them, that that they're they're making families that that are healthy and they're they're wanting to continue the walk of faith as adults. That so encourages me. It's so rewarding. Now, now, some people think, oh, no, I want to do the real stuff. Well, the real stuff includes teaching kids. How do we know that? From the Torah portion this week, that the Shema that you hear and the vahafta that you embrace is to be taught to your children and your grandchildren as well. To fail to do that is to fail in all of it. We're called to live lives that pass on from generation to generation, the love of God and the devotion to God. We're not taught to be so religious. It's not just that. We're we're called to be in a direct relationship with God. Abraham gives us the pattern for it. And every other relationship follows in that pattern. And we look. He was a man who taught his sons. That's what we understand. And had he failed to do that, there would be no Jewish people. You wouldn't be here, you'd be somewhere else. You'd be doing something else, believing who knows what. All of us. But he took seriously something. And the the descendants of Abraham took seriously something. It's not just teach your own children, it's together teach the children. children. Yes, teach your children. Yes, teach your own children. But this is part of our family and part of our community. And I have joy in having relationships with children and then seeing them grow up and seeing them mature. It's very satisfying with me. I I love kids. I love to see them grow up. I love teenagers. I love all the different ages. I didn't used to know what to do with the elderly, but I have spent, now that I are one, now I'm... But I discovered the wisdom and the love of those who have gone through many decades. And so I, I enjoy all the different ages. I, I find great joy. And to tell you the truth, there are times when I come in on Shabbat and I look at you and I think, you've had enough. I'm going to the kids. I don't do it, but look out. <laughs> look out. It will happen again. And because you haven't seen me do it doesn't mean I haven't done it. I have been committed to kids and will be committed to kids because if we only take care of adults and we don't think about the kids, we will fail. That is the failure to only focus on one age group. Anybody else who agrees with that? And I'm not talking about the next generation because they haven't been born yet. I'm talking about this generation that includes every age group. This generation from the young to the old is important. And we need to be devoted, we can be devoted, to equipping them and seeing them rise up and accomplish that part which is assigned to them. You will never on your own fulfill all of the purposes of God. Your only hope is to link together with those who have gone before you and with those who go after you, and together we'll accomplish the purposes of God. I wish you'd applauded for that. (laughs) Not not because I need it. I mean, I'm already encouraged myself. I I made a decision this week. I'm going to comfort myself. (laughs) I'm serious. And I've been through some real challenges recently that require that I have to get my mind focused and my heart focused. And yet I made a decision. I'm going to be comforted. Now, here's how I decided to comfort myself. I was going to think about nice things God has done for me that made me feel better. And I was able to think of all sorts of stuff, and I made myself happy. And I received comfort from the Holy Spirit just remembering God's goodness to me, and that enables me to give it away freely. I'm not faking it. I'm giving to you what I receive for me. I know we're living in very unstable times. I know that there's a lot that can take the wind out of our sails and a lot that can make us negative and fearful, but I have my heart set on something and that's to live a life of courage and a life of faith and not to live a life of discouragement and fear. And so that means when something discouraging happens, I'm gonna fight against the discouragement And I learned from King David before he was king when he was at Ziklag, leading, (laughs) yeah, Ziklag, leading a ragtag group. And he led led his men out into battle in order to protect the, the women and children who were safely at home. But while they were out in battle, The enemy's troops came and took the women and children and the stuff that was left behind. And so they really lost the battle. And when they came back and everyone discovered what happened, who had been in the battle, they looked at David and it says they wanted to stone him. And the scripture teaches us something so profound and so important. It says, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. You see, you will find yourself in a position where you're going to need to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And of course, you want to have other people in your life who can strengthen you. But if you're only getting strength from other people and never from your direct relationship with God, God will allow you to discover the insufficiency. And he will put you in a situation where there's no hope unless you go to God. And then you will find, when you strengthen yourself in God, that God can strengthen you. When you look for him as strength, he will give you strength, and he will allow you to be effective and to accomplish that which he has called you to do. Yesterday, a friend said to me, this world has gone bad. Just looking at the situation. And, and she said, something could just set it all off again, thinking of World War I, recounting, you know, an archduke gets assassinated and all of a sudden we have World War I because the world was a tinderbox at that time. And in a way, it's like that now. And I don't know that archdukes are in danger, but I can tell you we all have this sense that, th- that things could, could trigger a cascade of events that would be horrible. And if you're in... The mountains of Iraq and Syria right now, they've already happened. So the fact that you and I can sit here safely does not mean that that's the condition of all the world. It's a dangerous place right now, very unstable. We need to be sober about that. But we approach this unstable situation with stability that comes from God. Because He is our rock, He is our fortress, He's our high tower. The righteous call upon the name of the Lord. They run into the name of God and are lifted high above the fray, above the battle. And you need to be above the battle sometimes in order to see the battle correctly to know what to do and how to do it. So it's not with pessimism that we go into this period of time. It's with expectation that God is able to move, that God is able to use us. When others are in great need, we should have the surplus in the spirit and in our hearts and in our minds that enables us to generously serve others in need. You get that only one way. Your times are refreshing with the Lord. Your times in the word of God, your times hearing God and in obedience to God. To hear and to do will bring you great contentment and great joy. Comfort, comfort, keep comforting my people, says your God. Tell Jerusalem, take heart. Proclaim to her she's completed her time of service. Her guilt has been paid for. She has received at the hand of Adonai double for all her sins. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all humanity together will see it because the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your compassion. I thank you for your help that in times of need when we have been weak and insufficient, when we couldn't break through in our own strength, you have shown yourself to be our breakthrough. We want to be strong as we wait on you, as we hope on you. We want to receive your comfort. Send your Holy Spirit to comfort us. Send your Holy Spirit so that we might comfort others and use us to proclaim the good news of the God of Israel and his Messiah. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? And as you're standing, remember these words from our Torah portion, Deuteronomy 6, verse 18. Do what is right and what is good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you.